Hey there, people-powered business community. Are you ready to transform the way you handle difficult conversations in your business? If so, I'd love you to join me for the Mastering Difficult Conversations workshop that I'm running next week. In just three interactive online sessions on the 18th, 20th and 22nd of March, you'll discover your unique leadership style, you'll master the art of impactful communication by learning the translation code, and you will build your personalized difficult conversations framework. Imagine tackling tricky team talks with confidence and ease, all for the special price for you listeners of just $47. But hurry, spots limited to ensure that we have an engaging experience for everyone. It's time to go from overwhelmed to empowered and lead your business with confidence. Just head over to peoplepoweredbusiness.com.au forward slash workshop to secure your seat now. Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billet. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hey there, it's Christy Lee here and welcome to episode number 138 of the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode because we have another special guest joining us. So today we're taking a little bit of a different angle on the podcast. We are still focused on the people in our business, but today we're chatting about understanding the numbers that are relevant to our team, especially from the perspective of bookkeeping, accounting and payroll. Because as small businesses, this is kind of an important area. And in fact, one of the questions that I have been asked a lot lately, like a real lot, is how do I know if I can afford to add a position to my team or if I can afford to hire? What do I need to think about when it comes to the true cost of hiring was a question I answered on a hot seat just this week, actually. And how to understand what the true cost of hiring looks like. So today we are joined on the podcast by Alita Vard from Elite Edge Accounting. Elite Edge Accounting are a professional tax and accounting services provider. And Alita is actually one of our fabulous members of People Powered HR. So I've asked her to come on the podcast to share her expertise around having a bookkeeper in our business, having an accountant, what the difference between the two is, and what are the important numbers and things we need to think about when it comes to hiring new staff, payroll, running our team, what are the traps that we might fall into? Because it is ever-changing. If you're doing your own bookkeeping right now, the changes in single-touch payroll, for example, are huge. So I wanted the expertise of someone in the know (laughs) when it comes to this kind of thing. Because I firmly believe in business, we need to know enough about everything to be dangerous, enough to know what to question, what questions to ask, but we don't need to do it all ourselves. In fact, when I was first starting my consultancy practice just a couple of years in, I was of the belief that you had to do everything yourself and you had to learn all the things. And I remember at one point, I actually went and did a bookkeeping course. I was about eight months pregnant, had a huge team of consultants and a really hugely busy and successful business. And I thought that it was a smart use of my time to learn bookkeeping because I thought I had to do everything myself. 
crazy. I definitely shouldn't have done that. I should have hired someone like Alita to look after things for me. So what I want for all of you is to know enough to be dangerous, to know enough to question your bookkeeper, question your accountant, know when it's right to hire, what cash flow you need, but not to necessarily do it all yourself. So I'm asking Alita a few questions today to help give us clarity about knowing our numbers when it comes to our team. So let's dive in and welcome Alita to the podcast. Alita, hello, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be having this conversation with you because um, as a HR practitioner, I get asked a lot of questions a lot of the time that sit very firmly in what should be a bookkeeper or an accountant's uh, role and responsibility. Um, So it's great to have you here as an expert in that space. Just give everyone a little bit of an introduction. Who are you? What do you do? Where are you based? uh, And who do you help? Uh, Yeah, so my name is Alita. I own Elite Edge Accounting. I'm based in Adelaide, but I actually have clients all over Australia, uh, specialising in helping small to medium businesses. A lot of those um, fall into the tradie sector or the NDIS sector, but I've got them all over the range. Um, I'm a tradie wife and mum myself. So I, um, I guess I know what it's like to juggle the different sort of responsibilities of of business and all that sort of thing. So I try and give my clients that full range of um, of services to ease the pressure. It's hard being in business these days. It really is. And especially when I think as small business owners, especially, we think we need to figure everything out ourselves all the time. Um, And we put a lot of pressure, I think, on ourselves to do that rather than sometimes instead of getting help when we should, but also because, um, you know, the onus is on us at the end of the day. There's something wrong. We're the responsible Mm. person, especially if we're the director of the company. Um, So it is tricky to navigate and things keep changing, which really doesn't help, does it? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think both you and I work in worlds that seem to really keep changing, which doesn't make it any easier on us and the, and the people we work with. Um, so I firstly want to chat to you about some of the broader challenges and issues that you see businesses come across when it comes particularly to their bookkeeping. And of course, in my world, I see a lot of the questions I get asked are around payroll, specifically with bookkeeping, because that's where HR and accounting tend to uh kind of overlap in some ways. But when it comes to small businesses and the clients you work with or the types of clients you work with, what are some of the main issues you see people get themselves into or the challenges they have? Um, I would say the main issues would be, like you said, trying to not ask for help and so doing it themselves. And with that, not recording transactions correctly, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to GST or personal use. Um, Personal use can be telephones, motor vehicles, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, not recording things correctly in an accounting world really can bring you undone very quickly and can also, I think, increase your accounting bill at the end of the year if your accountant's got to go back and fix things up. Is that right? Absolutely. And that's what people don't realise is they think they're saving money. I don't I don't need a bookkeeper. I can do it all myself. Um, and sometimes they can. Uh, but a lot of the times, even if they know how to do it, they rush, they run out of time and they can make these little mistakes, which cost you more at the end of the day. Mm. And because, of course, you don't know what you don't know. So you could yeah. be thinking that you're doing the right thing and it looks like it makes sense to the novice. But when you don't know the nuances of of different transaction types or different line items in your chart of accounts, it's very easy to get it wrong. And if you get it wrong every week for 52 weeks, that's a long time, right? Absolutely. It can be very costly, especially as you would know with payroll. Mm. You know, if you, 
someone's paying their staff the wrong amount over a few months, it can be quite a big cash flow issue to fix up at the end of the day. Definitely, definitely. And I know the temptation is there for business owners to try and do it themselves. I mean, I fell into that trap even myself, not knowing what I know about the importance of excuse me, outsourcing. Um, I ran into that challenge when I was, it was early on in my business, and I thought that instead of outsourcing to a bookkeeper, I would just go and do a bookkeeping course. Whilst my business was maybe four years old, um, I had maybe 10 staff, I was about seven or eight months pregnant at the time. Like, that is the silliest thing anyone can do. <laughs> I definitely don't recommend it. It wasn't the right move. But that's the kind of thing we tend to do. So hmm. how do we know as a business owner, when is the right time to outsource or to think about outsourcing to a bookkeeper? Yeah. Yeah, good question. I think that there can be a few signs, such as uh, if you're feeling anxious about doing your book work um, or if you're just time poor um, or knowing that your time is just better spent doing what you do best. So, you know, if you can be using your time to make more sales, uh, whether that's advertising or making your product, engaging with your clients, whatever it is, then you're going to be better off to outsource Mm. And is there a certain size that you need to be to think about outsourcing or could any size start up through to, you know, bigger turnover businesses? That That's an option for everyone, is it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, there, there are bookkeepers out there to suit every, every person. So you can start off with as little as, you know, you only have a few entries a month, mm-hmm. but it's important to get those entries um, correct. Yep. And you could be someone that needs daily work on their file. Yeah, it just depends on the number of transactions you've got going on and a whole range of other things. Absolutely. One thing that I find really interesting, and maybe it's because, um, you know, the world that I work in, I know a lot about bookkeeping and accounting because I often work with those businesses, but I find a lot of people don't seem to really understand the difference between a bookkeeper and an accountant, and they're two very different things. Can you unpack for us the key differences between a bookkeeper and an accountant? Sure. And I must say, it's even more confusing now. Yeah. After the, yeah, you know, we've also got BAS agents as well, just mm. to throw in the mix. So a, a bookkeeper can can be anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, if, if you're not a BAS agent, it can literally be um, your next door neighbour saying she's a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Ideally, she's done some qualifications, but just <laughs> that's a little tip just to watch out for. Um, a BAS agent is a bookkeeper that has had their mentoring and qualifications assessed, and now they're allowed to lodge, lodge their business activity statements to clients. Mm-hmm. And an accountant, um, obviously, depending on their, their business or their structure, they may offer bookkeeping services as well but they can then do the uh, compliance-related stuff. So um, accountants are trained a little bit further into doing things like management accounting, um, analysis-type work, as well as your your tax planning, taxation returns, self-managed super fund, that sort of side of things. Mm, Absolutely. That's a a really good way to break it down, actually. And I want to go back to that point that you very clearly pointed out. A bookkeeper and a BAS agent are two different things. A BAS agent is a bookkeeper, but someone that's accredited and qualified. And I think that's really important for people to know. If someone's going to submit your BAS on your behalf, they must be accredited. And and this is, I want to say a recent change, because I guess in the scheme of business, it is a recent change, this accreditation process, isn't it? That if you're going to be a BAS agent, you have to get registered now. Yes, absolutely. So accountants have had that in place for 
No, for a long time now, yeah. as in um, there's accountants and there's tax agents. Mm-hmm. So I myself am a tax agent. So now they've done the same thing for bookkeepers and VAS agents. And so it really just, just um, I guess, provides some assurance to the clients that if you have a VAS agent or a tax agent, that they know what they're doing. They've met their required standards from the Tax Agents Practitioners Board to be registered and they have to have the required insurance in place as well. So if heaven forbid anything is wrong, they've got the required professional indemnity insurance there as well. Mm, Absolutely. And there's a really high um, burden on doing continued professional development in this industry for those that are registered and accredited and have the qualifications. So you know that if you're engaging with someone that is qualified for either of those roles, they are constantly learning, they are constantly up to date, aren't they, with the latest happenings, the latest rulings, latest changes. Absolutely, yes. We're required to do continued professional development every year. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And so many people just think, well, I can just get a bookkeeper and they're going to be able to sort out my accounts. And I really want to point out to people that is not the case. A bookkeeper who is not accredited and qualified might be able to do some, you know, general transactional work for you, more an administrative type of accounting support. Definitely will help save you time, of course, absolutely, Mm -hmm. provided they know what they're doing. But it's not the same as having someone with that technical competency and you're going to get a very different level of service too. Absolutely. Look, bookkeepers certainly have their place, um, and but you definitely need an accountant. You can't just have a bookkeeper and get away with that because you, you're needing, at least for a successful business, you need to have the accountant there to be able to provide that advice. You know, things like I'm looking at purchasing a car next month. Are you able to provide me some advice on sort of the best ways I can go about, you know, structuring the finance for it and, and claiming it through my tax? That's something that a bookkeeper won't be able to do, but an accountant can, as long as obviously with the um, tax planning um, and the compliance-related thing. The other cool thing that accountants can do, um, not all do, but uh, it's certainly a passion of mine, it's management accounting type stuff. Mm. So So tell us about management accounting. What does that mean? Yeah, so figures, as you know, figures don't lie, right? Correct. They're one of the most important things with our business. Um, if if you don't know your, your figures and you're burying your head in the sand, then mm-hmm. that's going to cause some issues. Mm-hmm. So what the thing is, is a lot of businesses are waiting until the end of financial year. They get their tax return done. Oh, how did it go? And it, some people, shockingly enough, even go, oh, crap, we haven't put away money for tax, or mm. whatever, which we don't want that to happen. So... Ideally, we need to be checking in routinely, whether that's monthly, quarterly, six-monthly, depending on the size of the business, Yeah, and reviewing their reports. This can be reviewing budgets to profit and loss actuals, or it can just be reviewing profit and loss actuals compared to the same time last year. Mm. Just keeping an eye on those numbers. And what I find really interesting, and this is an experience I've had myself, is there are some accountants who... Basically, you don't hear from until it's tax time. They do the compliance stuff and that's all squeaky clean, but there's no proactive or even reactive sometimes support in terms of keeping an eye on things, giving that strategic advice, um, advising on things like structures and all of those things. And, And I think that's where we need to very 
you know, clear in what we're expecting from our accountant. And it leads me to my next question. When we're looking at engaging a, whether it be a bookkeeper, a BAS agent, an accountant, what what should we be looking for? What are the questions we should be asking? Because all ours is not created equal in this world, definitely. Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I think things that you want to be able to ask is obviously what's their level of expertise? Um, do they have any experience with your type of industry? Mm. What are they going to be offering you? And just really knowing, like just having a feel for how you get along because what I'm hearing too often is I'm too scared to ask my accountant. Mm. I am, you know, whether that's because I'm worried that it's going to cost me $200 a minute or, you know, yeah. what <laughs> exaggeration, but you get what I'm saying? Mm. Or if they, they feel like they might be made to feel scared, like mm. they, they'll be silly if they ask that question. And, and you don't want that. You want to be able to be, um, you know, approach your accountant or your bookkeeper openly with questions and know that they, they have your back. You know, what are they going to be offering? And I think when you do engage, it's really important to have an engagement letter Mm. An engagement letter sets out the terms of your engagement, so it'll cover you both. It'll say this is what I expect from you and this is what you expect from me and this is how much I'll be charging for my services, this is when you'll be paying, et cetera. So there shouldn't be any grey areas at all. Mm. And I would like to say there also shouldn't be any surprises, but I've certainly been on the back end of a surprise bill (laughs) from my account in the past. And I think um, it's all about open communication lines as well. And I think this is where we as business owners come undone is if we're not clear about what we're expecting from our account and we can't articulate what we're wanting from them, it's going to be very difficult for them to deliver on our expectations. So you've got to be able to clearly state, this is what I'm needing from you when you're choosing, I guess. And when we're looking at, um, I guess, accountants specifically, you know, there's all different types of accountants. There's CPA, there's CA, there's all the mix. Do we need to be worried about that? Or as long as they're the right person and they've got the right understanding of our industry and those kind of things are all pretty much the same at the end of the day? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we all have to um, go by strict professional bodies and educational standards, all that side of things. So for the most part, we're all similar. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to who you can get along with as well because you want someone that is personable that you can get along with but it also can hold you accountable, yeah. right? You need someone that's going to say, hey, stop spending all your money in this area. It's, yep. yeah. And your um, accountant will see patterns in your books as well that you won't see because you're just too in the thick of the day today and they'll say they'll be able to pick things and say yeah. that's not looking right, that's you know, the costing's not right here or something's missing, that they can see things. like They read numbers like wizardry. Absolutely. And that's, um, that's what we're here to do. So mm-hmm. the, the good accountant um, and client relationship can make all the difference in your business, can literally help you grow. Um, yes. And that's all through numbers. You know, by seeing the patterns, like you said, mm-hmm. by seeing change from last year to this year and overlapping that with, um, business, sometimes business coaching, but sometimes just business development. Like, okay, we can see here that you've had an increase in sales by 10% over the last quarter. Now, what has changed? And we can see from their business plan that they've actually actioned, say, for instance, a new marketing campaign over that time. Well, then we can see through the numbers that that has been effective. 
So it's been a good return on investment. So then we know to keep on doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So someone we're here along with, someone that's got all the qualifications, accreditations we need, and someone, I think importantly, that understands our business and, and sometimes our industry, if we're in a particular niche as well, can be really handy because the nuances that different industries have to face uh, can be quite unique and even accountant, if that's you, if you've got one of those industries and your accountant really doesn't get it, that could be a problem for you. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. And if you if you know that you're going to want a bookkeeper involved, whether now or at some point in the future, I'd also be making sure my accountant's okay with working with bookkeepers because I would want my accountant talking to my bookkeeper rather than it having to all come through me. Is that something that you see? Some accountants are really great with that, others not so much. Yes, it is something that I've certainly seen. Vice versa. Some bookkeepers um, don't necessarily always get along with the accountants as well. Mm. Um, but it, Exactly what you said. It, it Just like all relationships, communication is the key, right? Yep. They need to be able to all get along because the bookkeepers ultimately are preparing the work for the accountants to use for compliance related yep. um, and maybe management accounting stuff. So the accuracy of that data is important, but the bookkeeper's level of expertise is not the same as the accountant's. So to be able to have that open communication where the accountant can say, actually, could you please do this in this way, would be great. And vice versa for the bookkeeper to say, could you help me out by processing end-of-year transactions in this way? So to have that open communication is really key for that good working relationship. Yeah, and I think the, the balance is always in everyone understanding where the lines need to be drawn. And, and we see this in lots of different spaces. You know, uh, just recently I've been working with an industrial relations lawyer. Now, we overlap absolutely in some of the work that we do, but we both understand and we've had a long-term working relationship that there are things that he will throw to me because it's not in his best interest to do that kind of work. And there are absolutely lines in the sand where I'll say, we need to go and see this lawyer. This has become legal. And by developing those relationships, it can be really handy to just have that understanding of, of where your boundaries are and where it's best to get that extra support or throw it down the line, whatever the case might be, I think, is, um, is really important as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of the other, as I mentioned, we get asked a lot, you know, generally the payroll HR space is where we overlap. And one of the biggest challenges that I get asked, and I have a bit of a theory and a number here, but I'm curious to get your take on this, is when businesses are looking to grow and they know they need extra team members, but the the, the tug of war is always, oh, can we afford to hire someone? Can I afford to not hire someone is often the question as well. And it's knowing how to not overinvest, but also you know, when's that tipping point? Do you have a theory or a rule around how you could know if you could afford to hire this next, whether it be employee or contractor, this next yeah. hire you're looking for? Do you have sort of a rule of thumb there? Yeah, I don't know if I definitely call it a rule of thumb, but the way in which I advise you go about it is uh, ideally speaking with someone like yourself, we mm -hmm. get the the cost um, of putting on the new employee because obviously that's, you know, superannuation, work cover, everything. Yes. And then hopefully you've been working with a bookkeeper and accountant and we've got our books nice and up to date and then it's a matter of putting it into our budget and cash flow forecast. So we can see the thing is with that as well is say, for instance, you're putting on a new sales person, right? You you can put in the budget for the for the wages, but then we also need to do a little bit of guesstimation as to how much we think that the benefit of having that new employee is going to help. 
So the increase in sales. Mm. So it's it's always going to be a rough guide, but it's going to help us forecast the benefit of having that employee come on board. Mm. And I think the important thing to remember too is the employees, and it doesn't matter what role they're going into, they're not going to be dollar producing on day one. Um, it takes time. There's onboarding, there's settling in, there's productivity, all of those things. So, you know, if I was advising someone that was particularly wanting to be quite cautious and safe, I would say you'd want three months salary in the bank for that role yes. before yeah. they're turning that into, you know, figures in your bank account. Now, I definitely don't think you need that most of the time and, and at my risk-taking clients, I wouldn't suggest they would need to necessarily have that safety net. But, if, you know, if you're th- listening and you're thinking, oh, can I, can't I afford them and you're a risk-adverse kind of business owner and you really want to make sure there's no room for error here and they've got plenty of time to settle in, I'd go three months. Yeah, that's a good rule of thumb. Uh, obviously, it depends on, like you said, on the client um, yep. and the and the employee stepping into the role. You know, if it's uh, if we're talking about, you know, a law firm with a highly experienced lawyer, they're probably going to be coming in right off the bat with some clients and obviously mm. a different ball game. Yeah, and conversely, to our more basic and junior staff, they won't need as long either to be because they're doing things that are going to be easy to teach, easy to train. Um, you know picture a factory worker they're going to be able to talk to use the machine and be using it and producing the the goods within the week you know that's not going to take as long but there are other roles that definitely you know would sit uh in between that as well so and um, also with a junior staff i think they might not necessarily be making the money um but they're going to be freeing up your time to do that so that's where the time difference will happen there as well yeah yeah definitely Let's focus on payroll for a moment because that is our little point of intersection. And it does seem to be one that, look, I think it can be a bit tricky for business owners that are just new to payroll or even those that have had just fairly basic payrolls up until now and then they get an employee that maybe is on a different structure or on a salary rather than hourly rate and they can get confused. And, and of course, the back, well, the byproduct of that can be leaves not occurring properly, payroll errors can happen. What are some of the biggest payroll traps we should be watching out for? Are there any common challenges you see when we talk, you know, specifically about payroll? Um, you touched on it then, I think, is mm. just leave not set up allowances, not set up correctly, um, not updating rates as the rates change, not having agreements in place. Yeah. Um, and the new one, or not super new now, but still to a lot of employers, is not having STP reporting set up as well. Yeah, and this is this is evolving. I know we've sort of just gone through the second, might be the second, might be more, um, iteration yeah. of STP just recently. And I know, um, or my understanding is, please clarify for me, there's a new sort of ruling around the payroll reporting, especially around allowances, in that an allowance being paid actually has to be detailed on the pay slip. Is that right? Yes, um, so the way in which we used to just include it all under gross earnings, mm-hmm. but now, it and then STP phase one, we did um, break it down a little bit, but now mm-hmm. STP phase two, basically we're drilling it down even more. Yeah. So, you know, like a tool allowance will be shown under tool allowance. And- yeah. And I think that's important for many businesses. And, and I think Trades businesses especially really have to watch out here because um, just this morning I was looking at one of the trades awards and the allowance sheets in that those awards are next level crazy. And 
there are allowances for turning up to work. Like there are some really crazy <laughs> allowances. So you've got to look at, are you paying those allowances per the award? If you are, they're going to need to be itemised in your payroll. And I bet your bottom dollar, a lot of businesses are not doing this right now. So you definitely want to get onto this. Or are you in a situation where you have an agreement and an IFA in place whereby you're paying a loaded rate in lieu of allowances? And for me, from a HR perspective, that would negate the need to detail it in payroll because you're not actually paying allowances, you're paying a loaded rate. Is that how you would see that? That's correct. And so from a compliance point of view, for the STP side of things, Mm. certainly a lot easier to have IFAs in place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So that's um, that's a great, you know, second reason to have high phase in place because it's going to yeah. make your payroll a whole lot easier and simpler and, you know, could even reduce the cost you're paying for your payroll to be processed if, if all of those things don't need to be itemised. And I think when you're looking at those kind of things, the less you have to learn, you know, detail in there, the less chance you've got human error happening as well. Yeah, yeah. Which, the, yeah. yeah, there's less room for error. Yeah, yeah definitely. Fascinating stuff. Anything else that we should be careful of or mindful of when we're talking accounting, bookkeeping, payroll for a small business? I think having enough cash flow there and putting aside money for pay-as-you-go and superannuation because obviously weekly we pay the net pay to the employee, mm-hmm. but then we need to make sure that we're putting aside that, that tax amount and that superannuation amount to pay when it comes to a, a monthly or quarterly BAS and super. Yeah. Yeah, so good. And sometimes that can be achieved by having like a second bank account that you put your GST and your, your PAYG straight into, don't you? So you've got it there at tax time. You don't need to worry about your main account. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely recommend. Yeah, having that in. That is awesome. Thank you so much. great was that discussion i learned some things that i didn't know about in that discussion which is always fabulous and i really love alita's approach to accounting and bookkeeping for small business to the holistic approach but also the way she can um convey information in a way that we can all understand that isn't accounting gobbledygook. Like I know many uh, businesses and many of our members of people powered hr are really scared to ask their accountant a question because they they feel like they're going to be made to be felt stupid. And I love that a leader's approach is the complete opposite and that her values are in giving us more time to do what we love and helping us see what we need to see and not messing with the rest. So I think it's really fabulous. Now, if you would like to connect with Alita, her website is over at Elite edgeaccounting.com.au. I'm going to put a link in today's show notes for you to grab that. You can connect with her there. You can connect with her on LinkedIn, wherever you prefer to connect with people. She is uh, just a truly genuine, intelligent, fabulous human being. And I'm really grateful that she spent this time with us here on the podcast. That is it for me for today. Thanks so much for joining me. And I look forward to chatting to you again next week on the People Powered Business Podcast. Have an awesome week. 